listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to join the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group and share your thoughts and insights with others who are reading and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 213, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 26, Paragraphs 290 to 297. 290. Let us return to Nazareth, where, in her oratory, the princess of the angels had witnessed the battles of her most holy son. She had seen them all by the divine light already described and by the uninterrupted messages of her angels who brought them back and forth between the Savior and the Blessed Queen. She repeated the same prayers as the Lord and at the same time. She entered likewise into the conflict with the dragon, although invisibly and spiritually. From her retreat, she anathematized and crushed Lucifer and his followers, cooperating in all the doings of Christ in our favor. When she perceived that the demon carried the Lord from place to place, she wept bitterly because the malice of sin reduced the king of kings to such misusage. In honor of all the victories which she gained over the devil, she composed hymns of praise to the divinity and the most holy humanity of Christ, while the angels set them to music and were sent with them to congratulate him for the blessings won for the human race. Christ, on his part, sent back the angels with words of sweet consolation and rejoicing on account of his triumphs over Lucifer. 291. And since she had been his faithful companion and share in his labors and fasts of the desert, the Lord sent her some of the celestial food and commanded the angels to present and minister it to her. Wonderful to record, the great multitudes of the birds that had gathered around the Savior flew after these angels with a heavier, yet an exceedingly swift flight, and entered the dwelling of the Queen of Heaven and Earth. And while the Blessed Lady partook of the food sent to her by her Son, they sang and chirped before Our Lady in the same way as they had done in the presence of the Savior. The Most Holy Virgin tasted the heavenly food, now even more precious to her, since it came from and was blessed by the hands of her son. 
and by it she was again rejoiced and strengthened after her long and rigorous fast. She gave thanks to the Almighty and humiliated herself to the very earth, and the acts of her virtue were so heroic and excellent that our words and conceptions are not able to encompass them. We shall see them in the true light when we shall rejoice with the Lord. Then we shall give glory and praise for these ineffable blessings, as is due him from all the human race. Questions which I asked the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary. 2.92. Queen of all the heavens and mistress of the universe, thy kind condescension emboldens me to ask thee as my teacher and mother for information concerning a certain doubt raised in my mind by the mention of the celestial food which the angels served to the Savior in the desert. I understood it to be of the same quality as that served to thee and to the Lord on other occasions. When the ordinary food was wanting, I have called it celestial food, because I had no other name for it. Yet I do not know if that name is appropriate, for I am uncertain whence this food was procured and what was its nature. In heaven, I understand there is no need of bodily food, for there the earthly mode of sustaining life is not continued. Although the blessed enjoy also sensible delight from created objects, and also the taste must have its proper function in heaven, just as the other senses, I suspect that its pleasures are not derived from the eating of food, but from some overflow of the soul's glory into the body and its senses. Thus, the grossness and imperfection of the senses in mortal life have no share in their heavenly activity and in all its objects. Of all this... I, being so ignorant, desire to be informed by thy motherly kindness and condescension. Answer an instruction given me by the Heavenly Lady. 293. My daughter, thou hast well doubted, for it is true that in heaven no material food or nourishment is used, as thou hast already understood and declared. The food which the angels brought to my holy son and to me was truly a heavenly food, and I myself have suggested this name to thee, because the strength of this food is heavenly and not earthly, where everything is gross, very material, and limited. It will help thee to understand something of the quality of this food and the manner of its creation when I tell thee that the Lord, to supply our wants, made use of some created material, most ordinarily water on account of its clearness and simple composition. For the Lord does not require complicated matter for his miracles. At other times it was bread or some kinds of fruit. These materials he furnished with such a power and such qualities of taste that they exceeded, as heaven does, the earth, all the delicacies here below. There is nothing in the world which can be compared to them, for all other food is insipid and strengthless in comparison to the celestial food. To understand this the better, consider the examples mentioned in Holy Scripture. For instance, the food given to Elias, by the strength of which he walked for forty days and nights to Mount Horeb, the manna, which was called the bread of the angels, because they prepared it by condensing the vapors of the earth, Exodus 16.14, and thus condensed and shaped like grain, they showered it upon the earth. It possessed a great variety of tastes, as scripture tells us, and it was very nourishing to the body. Also, the water converted into wine by the most holy sun at the nuptials of Cana was of such good taste and strength that it excited the admiration of the guests. John 2.10 294 
In the same way as the Lord gave a supernatural excellence to the water and turned it into a most sweet and delicate liquor, so he also gave a spiritual strength to the bread or the fruit. Such nourishment restored the waste of bodily strength and delighted the senses in an admirable manner, renewing their vigor and fitting them for labors and difficulties without causing the least loathing or inconvenience. This kind of food was ministered by the holy angels to my most holy son after his fast, and this I and my spouse, St. Joseph, received on different occasions. The Almighty showed the same favor also to some of his friends and servants, rejoicing them with heavenly food, although not so frequently, and in so a wonderful a manner he did us. Thy doubt is then answered, but now listen to the instruction pertaining to this chapter. 295. In order to understand better what thou hast written, thou must keep in mind three motives of our Lord in entering upon this battle with Lucifer, and this understanding will furnish thee great light and strength against Satan and his followers. His first motive was to destroy sin and the seeds of sin sown to the human nature by Satan in the first transgression of Adam. These seeds are the seven capital vices, pride, avarice, lust, and others, being the seven heads of the dragon. Lucifer appointed an infernal chieftain over each one of these vices in the battle of hell against the human race, and the evil spirits were distributed into squadrons under these leaders in order to maintain the sort of orderly confusion, which I have described in the first part of this heavenly history. Part 1, number 103. Accordingly, my divine son entered into conflict with each one of these princes of darkness, vanquishing them and destroying their power. In the Gospels, only three temptations are mentioned, being those which are more manifest to the senses, but the conflict and the triumph was far more extensive, for Christ our Lord overcame all these princes and their vices. Pride he overcame by his humility, anger by his meekness, avarice by his contempt for riches, and all the other vices by their corresponding virtues. The greatest defeat and consternation, however, overtook these enemies at the foot of the cross, when they became certain that it was the incarnate word who had conquered and crushed them. Since that time they are timid at entering into conflict with those men, who rely on the power and triumph of my only Son. 296. The second motive for engaging in this conflict was obedience to the command of the Eternal Father, who not only wished him to die for men and redeem them by his passion and death, but also to enter into battle with the demons and vanquish them by the force of his incomparable virtues. The third motive, and the one that was consequent upon the second, was to furnish mankind an example and a model for triumphing over their enemies, and to take away from all men any cause of wonder or surprise at being tempted and persecuted by the devils. He wished that all should have their consolation in their temptations and conflicts, that their Redeemer and Teacher first suffered them in his own person, Hebrews 4.15. For though in some respects his temptations were different from ours, yet in substance they were entirely the same, only of greater satanic force and malice. My Lord permitted Lucifer to strain all his powers in his battle with him, in order that by his divine power he might crush and enfeeble hell in its battles against mankind, making it more easy for us to overcome them if we wish to avail ourselves of the advantages gained by the very conflict of our Redeemer. 297. All mortals have need of this instruction if they are to vanquish the demon, 
But thou, my daughter, needest it more than many generations on account of the wrath of this dragon against thee, and on account of thy natural weakness in battle, when not assisted by my teachings and examples. Before all see that thou keep in subjection thy flesh and the influences of the world, mortifying thy flesh and flying the world by retiring from creatures to the interior of thy soul, thus conquering both these enemies and preserving the blessed light of grace which thou there receivest, and loving nothing except in as far as well-ordered charity permits. For this purpose, renew in thyself the memory of the narrow path, pointed out to thee, for the Lord has given them a natural faculty of ardent love. And we wish that thou consecrate this faculty entirely to the love of God. Consent not to any movement of thy appetites, no matter in how small a matter, and allow thy senses no liberty, except for the exaltation of the Most High, or for the suffering or doing something for the benefit and love of thy neighbor. If thou obey me in all things, I will see that thou art protected and strengthened against the cruel dragon for the battles of the Lord. 1 Kings 25.28 A thousand shields will surround thee both for defense and offense against the demon. Accustom thyself always to use against him the words of holy writ, not deigning to exchange many words with such an astute enemy. Weak creatures should not indulge in conferences or arguments with their mortal enemy, and the master of lies. Since even my divine Son, who is all-powerful and infinitely wise, did not do so. In this he gave the souls an example, how circumspectly they are to act with the devil. Arm thyself with living faith, unwavering hope, and love of humility, for these are the virtues by which the dragon is crushed and vanquished, and against which he dares not make a stand. He flies from them because they are powerful weapons against his pride and arrogance. This concludes our reading today for day number 213. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 26, Paragraphs 290 to 297. I think we might have had this one other time, but today Maria Vagrida poses a question to the Blessed Mother. Basically, she says, I don't understand and I want to gain understanding. So Mary, you who have been instructing me, teach me about this question. And it was about heavenly food. And we heard about all the different types of heavenly food, from the food given to Elias, to the manna that had come down from heaven, to the water that had become wine, all of this really miraculous, all of this heavenly food. And so Our Lady, speaking to Maria, says, It is true that in heaven no material food or nourishment is used, as thou hast already understood and declared. Well, isn't that interesting? No food in heaven, but yet Jesus uses parables to talk about the kingdom of heaven, saying that it's like a banquet. We see in the book of Revelation that it's the great wedding feast of the Lamb. In our funeral liturgies, we refer to the eternal banquet table of heaven. And so, there is no material food or nourishment in heaven, as Our Lady tells Maria of Agreda. So, these are just images for us to think about the kingdom of heaven, for us to rejoice. Really, heaven is going to be a place where we are caught up in the love of God that all we will want to do is to love God and to love God with those who are around us. Heaven is a place of 
celestial song of angels singing hymns of praise to God, and we're going to join in those hymns of praise. Heaven is adoration of God, of the Lamb, and of the Father who is seated on the throne. We can think about heaven and think about what it's like. And then we have some of these experiences where, for example, the children of Fatima, they receive the Holy Eucharist, that the angel comes and brings them communion. Again, a miraculous encounter in which heaven feeds those on earth. One of the visionaries from Garimbendal also received the heavenly communion, the angelic communion, as it is called. Heaven bringing us food. And really the mass here on earth is a participation of the praise of God in heaven. And so... That is heavenly food that we receive every single time in Holy Communion. And again, we hear today about the great need to look at our vices and to respond with the corresponding virtue. That's how Jesus overcame the temptations and wiles of the devil. The virtuous life is a great help for our Christian living and for us walking on the path of God, of following his will, of overcoming temptation and evil. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.